see you. Good to see you online. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So the Spirit of God, the the Ruach Elohim, the wind, the breath of God, hovers over chaos and brings order to it as God forms words. And as he speaks these words into the chaos, into the formless, empty darkness, light comes forth, bringing order to the chaos, and it's good. Here's what I want you to remember today. The Spirit of God seeks to bring order out of chaos, mostly by using words. So the story of God opens in Genesis with God's Spirit hovering, kind of like just circling, brooding, examining, lingering, just hovering over the formless, empty, dark surface of the deep. Now, what I learned in, in studying this In the ancient Near East, if they would have heard this pre-creation scene, they would have thought this is a scary picture of chaos, which is disorder and confusion. The two Hebrew words for formless and empty, tohu and bohu, carry the scary concept of being empty and void of function, meaning, and purpose. This is darkness. This is a place of dread. It's a place of deep, deep fear. But God hovers over it. He speaks to it, and he brings order to it by creating. Bara Elohim, it says, God created. And as God creates order out of chaos day by day, by speaking to it over six days, he says, it's good. And then when he creates us as the crown of his creation in his image and puts his breath of life in us, it's not good. He says, it's very good. The Spirit of God seeks to bring order out of chaos, mostly by using words, and here's why that matters. The way God functions in the beginning, in creation, helps us to understand how he wants to function in our lives. Now, here's a silly question. Do you have any chaos in your life, any any disorder, confusion, any fears? Well, maybe you're... Okay, but what about those around you? Do you see any of that in those around you? Of course you do. And here's the thing. God wants to bring order to it. He wants to provide us with peace, with joy, with meaning, with purpose, with confidence by speaking into the chaos, into the disorder, the confusion, and the fear that's in our minds and and all around us. The Spirit of God seeks to bring order out of chaos, mostly by using words. And when we listen to those words, when we listen to the Spirit of God, something happens. We know who we are. We know what we're to do. We know our meaning and purpose in life, and it's all good. But here's the problem. I don't always listen 
We just don't always listen to the Spirit of God. And when we don't listen very well at times, then chaos, disorder, confusion, and fear starts creeping in and increases. And here comes anxiety, and here comes worry, and and then a sense of hopelessness kind of arises and takes over, and a bunch of other undesirable things. I know it's not original, I'm sure it's not, but I have a little theory that's helped me over the years figure out how I think life works. And my little theory is I believe without intentionality to bring order to life, then chaos will naturally come in and increase. Unless we seek constantly to bring order to things, then things just naturally gravitate toward disorder and chaos. I've noticed it in lots of areas. If I don't put my tools back, which I don't always do, then my workbench gets just messier and messier and messier. And then the next time I go to find a tool, I am frustrated because I can't find it. And then I'm transported back to my childhood because most of my formative years were spent looking for tools for my dad. He'll be 90 this fall and he's never put his tools back. He still doesn't, don't tell him. And so, uh, son, uh, give me the nine sixteenths wrench. Just some tiny little boy. I'd say, where is it? In the toolbox. It's not in the toolbox. Well, maybe it's down in the John Deere. Not in the John Deere. Or maybe it's in the Massey Ferguson. No, it's not there either. Maybe, maybe I left it in the baler. It's not there. Maybe the green bill. It's not there. And so by the time this chaos resulted in my youthful anger, I could have gone to town and bought a whole new set of tools. (laughs) Sorry about that. If we don't constantly seek to bring order to our garden or our flower beds, and I'm fighting this right now, what happens? Chaos in the form of weeds. They just show up and they just grow like crazy. And what happens if you don't constantly seek to bring order to your garage? Where's your car? It's in the driveway because there's so much stuff in your garage you can't get your car in there. Anybody have that problem? You're just not telling me the truth, are you? You know, very much related to this is a, a real theory in criminology called the broken window theory. And it says visible signs of crime like broken windows unrepaired just invite more broken windows, invite more crime, disorder, and chaos. And to keep things from spiraling downward into chaos, you have to fix the broken window once it happens. And the same is true for graffiti. If you don't clean up graffiti in a timely manner, then what happens? You know what happens. It just kind of spreads and grows. Now, some of this stuff we just talked about is relatively unimportant, relatively harmless. But the same principle of dealing with chaos applies in our lives as well. And it's not harmless. It's, it's dangerous. And it can be deadly. If we don't Uh, constantly seek to bring order to the naturally occurring chaos of life in us and around us, then chaos, disorder and confusion grows. And then this becomes a place of darkness and it becomes a place of fear. And, And when chaos dominates, we lose our way. We get confused about who we are. We don't know why we're here. What's our meaning and purpose in life? I don't know. Existential angst. Anxiety shows up, ready to wreak havoc and increase the chaos, and and we lose hope. 
And I tell you, you know this, there's so many people there right now. And maybe some of us are in the room. Romans 1, 18 and following is a picture of, of where life goes if we don't allow the spirit of God uh, to bring order to chaos. And our culture right now with all the confusion about all kinds of things is a good illustration of what happens if there's nothing beyond ourselves to bring order. Now, the way we bring order to the chaos in our lives and around us, which then affects the culture, really, is to listen to the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God seeks to bring order out of chaos, mostly by using words. And you say, okay, YBH, yeah, but how? Well, let's see if we can figure this out. I think we can. Let's start with the identity of the Holy Spirit. We could make this and take this as deep and as mysterious as we are able with our limited, finite minds and we would just still touch the hem of the garment of God's transcendence, his complete otherness. Rooted in that deep and unfathomable mystery of God, God chooses to reveal himself, becoming imminent, knowable in a comprehensible and practical Way. And do you know how God chooses to reveal himself? Have you thought about that? While he does it generally in creation, Genesis, or Romans 1.20, he specifically reveals himself through spirit-given, inspired words of scripture. So we start talking about the spirit of God, we have to talk about the nature of God, which leads us into the Trinity, which is really kind of beyond the scope of our lesson today. So we're gonna give you some supplemental material at the end. When we start looking at God, we say, well, God reveals himself as one God, but what about this God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit thing? Well, some say, you know, that the Trinity, and they use this to teach children, the Trinity, God is one, yet Father, Son, and Spirit is kind of like an egg. And so you have an egg and it's one egg, but you can see there's a shell and, and there's egg white and, and there's a yolk. And there is so much mystery in God and I bow before that. And while that's true, I can also see because he's shown me, he's revealed himself, I can see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have different and distinct and identifiable Roles, And as we look at the multifaceted role of the Holy Spirit today, then we can continue to understand how he seeks to bring order out of chaos, mostly by using words. So following his example, I have three words that I want to use today to create a concept of the Holy Spirit, which will help us on our journey to figure out how this works. And the three words are presence, power, and purpose. So presence, I, I believe there's a great, mystery about the spirit of God I believe he's working around and and hovering and and doing all kinds of things before we become Christians he's working but according to Acts 238 it's in our baptism that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit Peter replied repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's by the means of the Spirit that we become born again, John 3. We become beloved children of God. So you have not received a Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. 
And now we call him Abba Father. So the, the presence of the Spirit in my life provides me with true identity. We are beloved sons and beloved daughters of God. We are beloved children of God. Let that sink in for a moment. A long time ago, I heard someone say, if you know who you are, if you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. Identity is so vital. It's so important. And the Spirit of God provides it. Paul says in Ephesians 1.14 and 2 Corinthians 1.22 that the Spirit of God is a deposit in our lives. In essence, he is saying, you are mine. I put a piece of you in me. You, you are mine. And so his presence guarantees our inheritance. We are co-heirs with Christ. We have a glorious future. But before we realize that, in the meantime, the Spirit of God is working in our lives to help us maintain our identity, which helps us to know who we are, which helps us to know what to do, which brings order to the chaos in and around us. Jesus, who relied upon the power of the spirit which is interesting talks a lot about the spirit of God in John 14 15 and 16 Jesus calls him the spirit of truth and he says he will live inside you he will encourage you he will comfort you he will lead and guide he will convict teach and testify but it's all ultimately going to be pointing to me it's going to be pointing to Jesus the spirit of God and since the spirit of God lives within us, we have his presence, we need to be careful about our bodies and, and what we do with them, how we treat them and, and, and how we use them. Well, I can do anything I want with my body. It's my body. Well, you can, but there are consequences and is everything good? Is, is it the best or the right thing to do? This is the argument that Paul and the Corinthians are having. They're saying everything is permissible. And Paul's saying, yeah, but not everything is beneficial. And so he goes on to talk about sexual immorality. He's against it. And he says, why? He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and, and was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And, and you say, wow, that's, that's really, uh, that's hard. That's difficult. And I say, yeah, it sure is. But I also would say, in at least the second word, that we have power. We have power to bring order to that chaos that pursues us. You know, living in this chaotic world is a struggle and, and we won't be perfect. Our flesh, our natural tendencies, our natural instincts, our proclivities uh, cause us to want to sin. But as we follow Christ, we, we learn and we know that the ways of the world are deceptive, they're chaotic, they're destructive, they lead to death. And the Spirit of God informs us of these things and then transforms us 
and empowers us to overcome it all. It's pretty amazing. We have the same power within us that raised Jesus from the dead. Do you believe that? The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your immortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. So it's by the power of the spirit that we are transformed into the image of Jesus according to 2 Corinthians 3.18. You say, well, what, what do you mean by that? The spirit of God transforms me into the image of Jesus. What does that look like? One place to go to, to, to look at that is I think Galatians 5. It, it kind of helps us understand the Spirit's transformative power and what he's wanting to do with our lives, help, helping us to look like Jesus. And this is, this is a conversation about spiritual formation. This is what this is. And so in Galatians 5, Paul talks about the struggle between the, the Spirit of God and our fleshly desires. And he says, if you allow the fleshly desires, if you allow those natural tendencies and instincts to dominate. It's going to lead to chaos. It's going to lead to all kinds of problems and it'll eventually lead to death. Paul says it like this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you, again, as I, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life, that lifestyle, just won't inherit the kingdom of God. But there's good news. We don't have to live like that. We don't have to live that way. We don't have to live in that chaos. And, and Paul contrasts that chaos with, with life controlled by the Spirit of God. And he immediately says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, I think these are characteristics of Jesus. And so I think that's what Paul's getting at in 2 Corinthians 3.18, being transformed in the image of Jesus. The power of the Spirit will produce these things in our lives. And so this is the order the Spirit of God seeks to bring to the chaos. It's not easy. Not easy at all. And, and another aspect of the Spirit is that He helps us, intercedes with us with groans when we're struggling in pain and, and problems. So we've, we've talked about presence, we've talked about power. Then the third word creating this concept is purpose. Through the Spirit, we know who we are in Christ. And if we know who we are, then we know what to do and we're empowered to do it. And you say, well, what, what is the main thing? And the main thing is to be like Jesus, right? Just to be like Jesus. And, and when you start looking at him and you say, well, what, what was his main purpose? I think it's fair to say that his main objective was to bring people into relationship with him and his father and the spirit so that there's a great future. So he says, I came to seek and save the lost. And so right before he ascends back to heaven, 
Jesus gives the great commission and he says, go into all the world. I want you to, to baptize, make disciples, teach, go tell everybody. And then right before he leaves, he's standing on the Mount of Olives and some of us got to stand there the other day. It's quite amazing, wasn't it? Uh, it's like, wow. But, but Jesus is standing there on the Mount of Olives looking over at the temple and, and he says this, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, a few days later, the day of Pentecost comes, 10 days later after this, and, and the Spirit of God is poured out in this most dramatic way to get everybody's attention. And so it's, he's poured out upon the Jews, and Peter preaches, and 3,000 people are baptized, and the church begins. Well, a few years later, there's kind of a second Pentecost in Acts 10, where the Spirit of God is again poured out in this most dramatic way upon Cornelius, a Gentile. This is stunning stuff for a first century mind. A Gentile has received the Spirit of God and, and saying that Gentiles are now okay too. And so the church comprising Jews and Gentiles, Paul says in Ephesians 2, has become this holy temple where the Spirit of God resides. Now, we're more interested this morning about individual indwelling of the Spirit. And, and so when we think about that, you and I, if we have the Spirit of God, we have received gifts from Him, and we are developing our abilities through the power of the Spirit. And, and the gifts that we have and the abilities that we have been given by God are to be used to build up the body of Christ. They're to be used to serve. They're to be used to share the good news of Jesus. This is why we have our growth classes that we've been offering and will continue to offer where we try to figure out how, how are we wired and what gifts have we received and, and how can we use those to, to tell the story of Jesus to people who are lost, who are confused and, and hopeless. And so we, we want to equip each other to, to learn how to do this the best. The Spirit of God seeks to bring order out of chaos, mostly by using words. So let's get practical and drill down on those last three or four words. One of the Spirit's roles was the inspiration of Scripture. We believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, and it's ultimately about the Word who became flesh. It's ultimately about Jesus. The Spirit, given at our baptism is wanting to transform us into the image of Jesus, primarily by using words of scripture. He will literally change our lives, bringing order to chaos by using words. You say, well, how, how does that work? And I would say there, there is some mystery, there's always mystery with God, but while there's some mystery, I would say, it's really not too hard to understand either, I don't think. He said, the Spirit will transform us when we give him time and space to work, when we turn off stuff and, and we get quiet and still. And if we will let him control our thinking 
and fill our minds with his thoughts and his words, then things change. Spiritual disciplines such as reading your Bible and, and praying and meditating, some of the simplest things will allow the spirit room to work. I'm going to give you an example from my own life. I'm a, hes- a little hesitant to do it, um, but I've done it before. It's well received. And so we all narrate our own lives. We talk to ourselves about ourselves all the time. And what I'm saying is invite the Spirit of God into the conversation. Allow Him to have a voice in narration. What I do every morning is I get up, I, I get up early. I'm one of those crazy people, I like to get up really early. And I have a coffee maker that I can set a timer for. So I get up and my coffee's waiting for me. I, I, I get my coffee. I go downstairs to my office and I turn my computer on. I don't check email. I don't look at the weather. I don't look at news. I don't do anything until I've opened two tabs for two different Bible reading programs. And so I read scripture. I want to give God the first fruits of, of the day. I want that to be the first thing that hits my mind. And then, then there's some things that I do to prepare for prayer. And it's things that I say to myself, words that are words of scripture or words that are informed by scripture. And so every day I say, and I'm gonna say this real fast, but I don't say them that fast when I do it in the morning. I say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I make it my goal to please him. Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I am a beloved son of God. And then I go on. I go on to say words that are words of power and promise about God's presence, say words that are affirming, words that are challenging, words that are encouraging and ordering. These are the words that shape my life and tell me how to live. They help me fight the chaos that wants to creep in. They help me to silence the voice of Satan and his Accusations. Now, I see many of you that somehow do the same thing to where you are formed and shaped and you allow the Spirit of God to have rule in your life to where you produce beautiful fruit. The Spirit of God wants to bring glory to Jesus. And you think about Jesus, He willingly entered into the chaos to save us and he still does he goes into the pain he goes into the confusion he goes into the darkness of chaos he goes into the brokenness he goes into addictions he goes into any mess that we made or has been made for us he comes into that to bring clarity to bring light to bring healing to bring hope he'll do that for anybody in this room this morning For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. He took our sins in order to bring his peace. It's what we want. He took our sins to bring us joy, to to bring us 
meaning and, and purpose and confidence and hope. I want you to think about all that. I'd like you to go ahead and stand. As we sing down here, uh, Sean and Beth and Maggie and I will be down here. If you want to just come and pray, if the Spirit of God is pounding on your heart saying you need to do something, come down and talk to us and we'll pray with you and try to figure out your next step and just encourage you as we sing together at this time. So, so at 8 o'clock, at 8 o'clock, um, we didn't make it up here for this, so, so you're blessed, right? Yeah, right, sure. So I wanted to talk to you about uh, the body and taking care of your body and you won't need all the dessert. What do you, what do you think about why, that? Why are you going to be bringing that up, Alan? I, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Kendra, Kendra, Alan's wife, made these amazing cinnamon rolls for Volunteer Central, which, little tip, if you don't volunteer on Sunday mornings, you're missing out because if you do, we have this beautiful glimpse of heaven called Volunteer Central, uh, where there's amazing breakfast for you all to share. And Kedra made cinnamon rolls this morning. And someone told me like, hey, they're not like singing from the same psalm book because Alan's talking about taking care of our bodies. And Kedra's like, here, have cinnamon rolls. Uh, <laughs> well, you can see there's a battle going on yes. between the flesh and the spirit. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we have an odd request this morning. We'd like for you to take your phone out, open up your camera and point it to that. Uh, I'm an old man, and that's like I didn't know what these things were until COVID, and I had to use them to order. That's how you get your menu at restaurants. <laughs> that's right? exactly that's how, how I learned how it was. But when you do that, you're going to find a lot of things that are supplemental material to what we talked about today. Sean and I've been talking about this for quite a while. It's just too much uh, to do in one sermon, and so what you'll find is a complete manuscript of the sermon that I just presented. And it's got footnotes, and it's got two extra pages uh, about the Trinity that you can look at. And there's a supplemental document about the Holy Spirit. Then we have a document about the spiritual formation here at Sherwood Oaks. And then there's a really nice video. Tell us about the video. Yeah, so Alan and Maggie and I got together and did a video this week just talking about the ways that, uh, that the Spirit has been leading Sherwood Oaks over the last few years uh, as we've been through transition and COVID and launching West and it's all of that and how we've tried to listen very intently to the words of the Holy Spirit through the word, through his people, through his prompting. And uh, so, yeah, it's a little video there that you can get on there and check so out. So it's a real honest conversation and uh, I, I really encouraging. It's about 11 minutes, so check it out. We have one, one, one final thought uh, that we wanna leave with you today and a prayer, it's a benediction really. And it's this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So go in hope, go in peace, go in joy. You're dismissed. God bless y'all. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.